Welcome back to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, a show that's by sports PTs and for sports PT professionals. We're here to accelerate growth in your sports PT career while giving you the tools to provide your athletes with game-changing results. Here's your host, sports physical therapist and practice owner, Dr. Yoni Rosenblatt. Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. This one is going to be super different because I'm going to play the role of guest and I've got my buddy Sean Greenspan who is an elite level endurance athlete. Can we call you an ultra marathoner? For the show, we can call it. <laughs> okay. Would you call yourself an ultra marathoner on the weekends when you're out at a bar? Depends yeah. who's asking. Depends okay. who's asking. Okay. Depends who's asking. Um, so we got Sean Greenspan who is himself really an ultra marathoner by day and a media mogul by night he's going to be asking me a bunch of questions yeah i think that's what we're doing um and hopefully there's some knowledge in here for for the audience admittedly i'm used to being the one asking the questions but i'm happy to do my best uh trying to answer some questions I'm feeling good i feel like we're gonna get we're gonna get a little feel bit good. of value yeah <laughs> deal um I, I thought i was gonna get the intro you know sean gonna... you intro go ahead how would you do it if this was your pod this is well well, this is my true sports podcast. This go. is a true sports podcast. We got Yoni here today. I get to pick his brain as a pseudo ultra marathoner, um, uh, a wannabe NFL player, NBA player. Uh, you know, re really what, what I'm excited about Yoni is um, trying to uncover some of just like the basic things. Right now I'm an ultra marathoner, but uh, I know that running and hiking are things that I love and I think a lot of people enjoy. Um, I know that, you know, lifting weights is really good for you and I want to be able to do that without bad, you know, back and shoulders for like the rest of my life. And I want to learn a lot on this because I think uh, as a 29 year old who's stayed active, I'm getting away with a lot um, versus just like, you know, doing what I should be doing. Sure. Um, and uh, Kelly Storette, who was on your pod, he, he told me one time that um, the body is really resilient. And when people run for 40 years with bad form and don't take care of, you know, their joints and then it breaks down, they're like, why that, you know, why that happen? And it's the other way. It's like, no, your body's been amazing for 40 years yeah. and it's like finally breaking down. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I always say, you know, we're like, we're okay until we're not. Um, and so like, how do you either kick that can down the road of that point to you not being okay? Or how do we avoid it? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and that's the way I kind of look at helping people achieve their goals, whether it be ultra marathoning, like the lunatic that you are or playing pickup basketball, you know, on the weekend. Um, it's just about kicking that can down the road. Ab absolutely. Um, and I, th I think where, where I want to start is with, um, with running, um, I think a lot of like r running is, is I think if it's like a natural human movement, um, well, even whether it's like power walking or whatever, it's, it's, I feel like it's great for the brain. It's, you know, great for cardio, great musculoskeletal. Um, a lot of people are either afraid of it or try and can't. Right. Um, what are some like ways to get into running if you feel like you, you can't? And you want to do it safely. Yeah. So you want to think about, and this, this goes towards any athletic endeavor. You want to think about the necessary needs your body has to go through 
in order to accomplish that activity. So when I break down running, and this comes up a lot post-surgery, so this isn't such a foreign thing, how do we get that athlete back to running? Well, we know the athlete has to be able to do what? They have to be able to hopefully produce force somewhat symmetrically from their legs, right, so that you can stay in a straight line. You know, you hope that happens. Um, You have to be able to do it repetitively. Now, that the endurance of the ability to do that um, is variable. Yeah, go ahead and raise that. Um, so, um, so, so you wanna you wanna put together a program that uh, forces or encourages symmetry, and forces and encourages the ability to do something repetitively, which would be an endurance model. And then you wanna think about the structures at play. So the first thing is your foot hits that ground then that force travels up. So you want to start from the ground up. So how's the ankle doing? Or if you don't want to talk joints, how are the muscles in your foot doing? How's the calf doing? How's the hamstring quad doing? How's your glute doing? How's your low back doing? And I would start working my way up there to create strength to support the activity of running. Gotcha. So, so different strength exercises for each individual. So yeah, no, I would I would like to ideally put those together because that's the way we function as yeah. an athlete, right? Um, it's important that as we identify weaknesses, if we need to isolate, great. Um, and if you have the time and ability to do that, then yes, hey, here's your calf work. Um, but if you can string those together and allow the body to act like a chain, that's where Kelly Starrett's genius comes into play when he talks about how amazing the human body is. Yeah. It's our ability to to function like a like a fine tuned machine working together. Yeah, oh, one wonderful. Um, you're talking about that, like we need to produce force somewhat evenly. Yeah, right. Um, is that where like single leg work would come in? Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly where that comes in. You want to make sure that you're not just laying down poor habits and biases. So. Very often, I see this a lot in the basketball population, where um, the opposite leg to the dominant hand will be that athlete's stronger limb because they're just used to like jumping off the left to go up yeah. right. Um, and so you want to make sure that those legs somewhat catch up. So you're going to use kind of that right leg in that instance, in that example, to to be the throttle. Like you want to keep um, that leg working as hard as possible without giving up and then match it with the left. And I love working. We call it unilaterally in the biz. Make sure you're working one leg at a time to make sure that they're each progressing accordingly. Mm, I, I really, I really like that. Um, you also mentioned, you, you talked about the feet, the muscles in the feet. Yeah. Um, I can tell you again, uh, as someone who's been, been playing sports their whole life, never did I think about muscles in our feet or strengthening the feet. Now it's a trend. Some Instagram ad got me to buy these Vivo barefoots. Everyone's walking around with barefoot shoes. Talk about the importance of the feet in in running, um, really in like a lot of activities. Yeah. I like to train with with shoes on, with shoes off. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense to train in the environment that you're going to be competing. Um, that's not always barefoot. We know there are benefits to training barefoot and that's what we call intrinsic muscle recruitment or strengthening. And those are the muscles that run from your toes to your heels to make sure that those don't go to sleep and get really weak. The trends in and out of shoes and running shoes, they continue to, to vacillate and it's really this ugly, um, underbelly 
of yeah. the of the shoe world where the shoe let's let's say new balance the company will come out and, and call the local running store and say hey we're going to give you this amount of um this amount of merchandise you got to sell this make sure you're pushing this or that and so don't necessarily trust the shoe salesman that you walk in (laughs) to find but understanding that you want those muscles to be robust to be strong to be able to handle consistent force and that's the way you train them by pulling them out of shoes and getting the muscles that run from your toes to your heel to kick on get stronger get more resilient to the forces you're going to put through. Another thing that I love to do, um, and really credit to Schlesinger, Schles Strength on, on Instagram, is to float the heel and get the posterior chain being, I love throwing the foot into that, but the bottom of the foot, the heel cord being your Achilles tendon, your calf, and then your hams and glutes. And so if you you can isolate that and load that and get pressure off your heel and more to towards your forefoot by doing what's called a, a heel float where we have the athlete just balance on the forefoot and keep that heel up in the air, like if you're yeah. standing on a step, yeah. and do exercises there um, and train like that. What type of exercises? like? So that would be things like, my favorite is a single leg RDL, so just hinging yeah. over that planted leg, but also squat work from that position. Um, also hydrants and glute work and things of that nature, and sometimes it's just balancing yeah. um, to encourage all of those muscles to kick on. That combats the disease which has occurred from these massively padded shoes, like you'll <laughs> see, like the Hoka's or the New Balance Beasts and stuff like that. What, what do you think about when you just see the the normal person walking around in the, the Hoka ones or whatever? I like, just think they're getting weak. Yeah. Oh, I, I actually, here's, here's something that I've, that I've encountered is, um, this is actually, I encountered this with my dad who's 64 years old um, and has foot pain and, to, and wears shoes in the house, wouldn't, wouldn't come into my house. Um, <laughs> wears, wears shoes around the house and says, do like, and they're, you know, they're, they're juiced up mm-hmm. and, uh, it says doing anything barefoot hurts. Yeah. Um, what would you recommend for someone like that? I think you got to train through that. By the way, that used to be me. Um, train through that. I th- you got to train through that pain, unfortunately. And I rarely say that. Um, but two, th- two pathologies that used to keep me up at night in treating them, one was heel pain, plantar fasciitis. The other was lumbar stenosis, which is a narrowing of the spinal column. The only way that I really got decent at helping patients with heel pain and foot pain is barefoot training and balance training and understanding what the mechanics of the foot should be and how to train that. That is not in shoes. Because what... And it's not, by the way, in in heavy orthotics necessarily. And you're talking to a guy who studied for a long time to learn how to make custom orthotics for people to put in their shoes. It's just the literature doesn't support it. For sure, the literature does not support custom versus over-the-counter. But secondarily and anecdotally, although maybe there's literature on it, um, you got to train barefoot to get those muscles stronger. It's it's crazy how we start changing our outlook depending upon the body part, um, whether we're going to train through pain and hope that it helps versus just run away from it and put them in essentially cast like orthotics. I think as a whole, we've come around to being intelligent with our dosages, getting the tissue to respond and become stronger or more robust or more resilient and the pain goes away. I don't know why we have trouble saying, oh, it's in your shoulder, so we shouldn't do that. Or it's your hip, so we shouldn't do that. Yeah. I think it's really applicable to the entire human system. Again, it comes back to Starrett's comment, which is 
We are unbelievably resilient and we will learn to adapt if we intelligently dose those interventions. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy hearing that. Um, and what do you think when you, you keep saying train barefoot, train barefoot, um, what do you think about training in barefoot shoes or minimalist shoes? I think it's great. I think it gives you the ability to be on different types of terrain and you know not cause damage to the foot. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a good thing. One thing I encourage you to get away from, however, is say you're a basketball player, I think you need to spend time with those high tops on yeah. and training. Um, if you're a football player and you're working on field work and cutting, it's one thing to be barefoot and get the muscles used to it. It's nice and I think it's an intelligent add-on to say, okay, you're good barefoot. Let's strap up some cleats, put you on the field. Yeah. Mimic what you're about to do. Make sure you can handle that because invariably muscles are going to respond differently. Yeah. Let's make sure you're strong there. So so I heard two things there. One with the the barefoot shoes, it sounds like they're they're fine if maybe uh, your only surface is concrete where there might be something you're stepping on but if you're on a clean turf like you would prefer barefoot it sounds like i would do both yeah you got i think you got to do both yeah you have to be barefoot because that's going to help the intrinsic muscles you have to be sports specific or activity specific wonderful yeah that's cool it's funny because i play a lot of basketball never think about doing my plyometrics in basketball shoes why not though? <laughs> it's like, why not outside? Yeah. Outside of time. Why not? It's the, it's the way you're going to compete. I always laugh because I give baseball players a harder time because like they just can't take their flat brims off. Like they're in the weight room and they're, they're just wearing flat brims, yeah. but it's the same thing with basketball players. They're caught, they're training in high top basketball shoes. That doesn't make sense to always be in there. Yeah. But Sean, if you're a basketball player, train in high tops. Once yeah. In a while. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah. And I can't, I can't take the label basketball player. I already, took a label i feel guilty about you shouldn't ultra marathon uh, uh, but <laughs> but it's important to realize you've run how what kind of distance races 100 miles okay that makes you an ultra marathon doesn't it <laughs> i think so <laughs> okay yeah so own that uh it's um run it run something about a little tangent or something about the ultra marathons like it just i don't know like i said before like running feels like the human movement and like I I never thought I'd be an ultra. I never thought I'd run a marathon. How'd you get there? Um, my buddy called me and said, "COVID." That's how everything started, right? I, th- I don't think there was a world it before was COVID. It wasn't. Um, my buddy called me and said, "Hey, I'm signing up for a hundred marathon, or I signed up for a hundred mile marathon, and I need you to pace me." And I was like, "Cool, I'm there." And I was like, "What's that entail?" You know, but I'm in either way. And he's like, um, "He goes, well, you you could pace up." to the last 50 miles and I don't have another pacer. I'm like, just say what you mean, man. Like I'm running 50 miles. And this was like, my knowledge of running was very, very low. Um, And I was like, I'm young, I'm in shape. Yeah, easy. Um, So I trained hard for a month and went out and did it. And at 2.30 in the morning in Utah, it was 15 degrees. He was dry heaving, having an asthma attack. And we were about 25 miles in and I quit on him. I left him there. I, I was like, like we got back like near the cars where I could just tangent off. I was like, dude, my feet hurt. Like I'm dying. And he was like, no, I really need you. I was like, no, 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 I'm dying. Like I've been struggling with this for hours. So I went back to the car. Um, I kind of like drove the course and like helped him finish, but uh, definitely wasn't there with him most of the time. And something was clicking in my head that just like, it was like one of the first times, like I just been like severely humbled and, and I quit 
like on something. Um, Not something, a guy. <laughs> Quit on a, a guy. A guy, yeah. a very good friend. Who almost died. Um, but almost yeah. died. <laughs> good thing he didn't. But he didn't. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I signed up for like a 50K race. And I told myself, you know, I'm just going to train super hard for it. Um, and then right after that, like I was in pretty good shape and he asked me to, train, to pace him on another one. Don't know why he asked me again. Um, but then I did a 50 miler and like that's actually... It's not that like a 50 mile runs a training run, but like if you look back at a hundred, like that's how people train. They sign up for a 50 K, a 50 miler, a hundred K, a hundred miler. So I was like, I, I, now I, these were on the math and I was like, you know what? Like <laughs> this is the best time to train for it. So I signed up for one a, a couple months out and, um, train, I really, really trained hard for it. And it was interesting because even that like 25 miles, like, you know, my feet hurt, like my body ached for like two weeks. Um, you know, I, overall, if I look back at the training for this hundred miler, I trained for about 10 months. Um, and you were talking about the body adapting. I'd get to a place where, you know, I'd run a marathon like two or three days in a row and I wouldn't like, you know, it felt like maybe I lifted a little harder, but like just like a little sore. I love that. Okay. But to start this story, you're like, um, I don't really think I should be called an ultra marathon. Dude, you're a freaking ultra marathoner. Also, what's interesting is I feel like I met you like right around that time. Yeah. I think like right before you completed. Yeah, yeah. But you look like you're healthier and in better shape today than then. What do you attribute that to? Um, really, really. Uh, the True Sports Podcast? The True Sports Podcast. Uh, <laughs> Other I've than just that. been listening to this. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's funny that you say that because, um, you know, uh, my, I was playing a lot of sports and lifting a lot of weights. I think that's an extremely healthy combination. A lot of basketball, a lot of weightlifting. Um, running ultra marathons, my, my big issue with it is I don't think it's the healthiest way to train, right? Um, I lost 20 pounds and I couldn't have been eating more. Um, I mean, I, I got my testosterone check plummeted. My, mm -hmm. like my testosterone was like in the twos and they're like, do you sleep? I'm like, yeah. Like, do you eat animal products? Like, do you lift heavy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's overtraining, right? I yep. mean, it is overtraining. So I don't, um, if I had to guess my cortisol was probably high, um, and that, and I do feel more energized. Um, now you might ask why I just signed up for one last weekend, another one. I was going to ask that, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's because there's, there's something about, um, having like a big massive goal. That's also, uh, makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, I noticed that when I was training for this hundred, I uh, was the first time in my life I was able to build and maintain a meditation practice. Um, I didn't have a cheat meal for nine months. Um, I don't think I was in bed past 8.30 p.m., but one day, and it was my friend's wedding, mm -hmm. um, everything kind of fell in line because I was scared as shit. I was yeah. like, dude, if I, don't do, if I don't do everything right, I'm not finishing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind, it's kind of like, you know, both sides of it. I do feel holistically more healthy now, mm -hmm. um, but again, I don't feel like I have some huge goal that oh, I didn't. Yeah. L listen, that, that fear thing that you just referenced it, is a real thing. Uh, I, I remember talking about on the business side, like yeah. what, what the number one predictor that I thought was, or the, the number one thing that I could pinpoint in the success of our business, true sports. And I think it was fear. I was just freaking terrified when I started. I, I just really felt like, you know, if I didn't stay extra to see that patient or come in early to see that patient or spend the night on that treatment table so I could see the patient the next day. If I didn't do those things, I was so scared it would fail. And 
that's that man what a motivator that is right and so it's like sounds similar to you with the ultra like you were probably terrified that mile 26 you were going to feel like you did in mile 25 and uh when you when you bailed yeah and so that fear man that'll get you in bed early it'll get you out of bed early it'll it'll make you do everything yeah right um and so i think like sometimes having those goals like starting your own business or staring down the barrel of an ultra marathon is enough to get you rolling yeah right and that that's really interesting I, i like that correlation to business and you know for those that don't know how many locations do you have with true sports uh, about 13 13 so i mean you know, you've built a pretty impressive business i mean 13 locations but people. like i always say anyone can sign leases yeah you gotta fill them yeah <laughs> but <laughs> you, we're doing okay yeah yep. i mean you, you 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 have 13 locations um you know i know there there's a lot of things that people don't see that you do that um you know whether it's uh how much time you're giving each patient, you know, the fact that you've partnered it up with like the, the gym experience, I think is huge. Um, I mean, you do all, you do a lot. And I think for those out there, I, it's, it sounds like chasing any goal, business, fitness, relationship, whatever. Um, fear's not maybe always such a bad thing. Yeah. Would you say? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it gets your cortisol level up. Yeah. Right. And I think it's, it's, it might be a problem for longevity. But when you're getting rolling or when you're, you're laser focused on a specific goal, yeah, um, yeah I, think it's, I think it's important. Yeah. All right. Now, now we're going to roll into something that hits, that hits home for me because um, everywhere you see on the internet, uh, people that have enough money in the bank to retire and multiple houses talking about how we shouldn't be working too hard, right? Um, it, I kind of feel like life ebbs and flows a bit and... I, and they all are, hey, I did that, you know, and now I'm at, a, you know, I did that hard work. I was living in fear. I was living, you know, in stress. I built this amazing thing just to realize that's not like going to, you know, um, solve all my problems. You can't live like this forever. And then I kind of either automated it or stepped away mm-hmm. or pivoted. Um, what, what do you think about that? Because I almost feel like like yes to their point of like you know it is you can't live like that forever and it is a good step away but i i feel like that part one needs to happen <laughs> i think that i think that's true i don't know how to get to part two without part one and i think um i learned from one of my mentors and and really good friends who you'll hear from on the pod soon enough a guy named dan rutenberg who dude he uh, he owns like a billion practices in in the tri-state area um he said, and he probably got it from, from somewhere else, which is what's going to, what got us here is not going to get us there. And I think it's important to have that fear or that hunger and that balls to the wall mentality to start. It'll help you see what's next. Um, and no, I don't think it's sustainable necessarily, but I don't know how to do it without that coming first. Yeah. Play devil's advocate though. Do you think it's possible? You think it's possible think to have it, a, like a, a awesome work life balance, like play it slow and eventually you'll get to whatever level you want to get to. I think it's possible. I don't think it's that realistic. Um, I also don't know if it's, how we want to get there because um i haven't built anything like you um but 
you know, I've uh, on a micro scale, let's like look at the the ultra marathon, right? Um, being able, like, like the the depth that I was at at some points training for that race and dur- during the race um, allows me to kind of like see the other side and get the human experience. And if someone was like, yeah, that spike in your cortisol took 23 days out of your life. All right. Yeah. Sign up for that. Yeah. I'll, I'm out like, I'll sign up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think someone actually, Peter Atia talks about, um, how he believes emotions are similar to like how we feel speed on an airplane. Like when you're coasting on an airplane, you don't feel it, but take off your like head goes back against the plane. And that's how he thinks about emotions. Right. And he said he loves those endurance events. He's a you know swimmer because he's like, you're like literally at the bottom of the barrel and then you finish the race. And that's like, you know, you're at the bottom and then the top. And it's like that acceleration of emotions feels amazing. And I think it's like a similar, you know, thing, whether it's with business or whatever that, um, you are, uh, you, you, you need one to, to see the other better, right? Like you wouldn't be, you wouldn't really feel like you needed that work-life balance if you didn't put in the work and earn it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to earn your Mondays, right? So like you, you got to, so comedians say, right? Like you, you, you got to put in that grind over the weekend in the, in the comedic world to earn your Mondays to just sit around I think the struggle becomes, and really transparently, this this is my struggle, is how do you shift gears, dude? Because when, when you've spent years running at a certain pace, and there are people that, that work way harder than me. I've never met them, but I'm sure <laughs> they're out there who are working way harder than me. How do you shift gears to say, like, oh, let me, let me smell the roses? By the way, are people going to be there with you? to share the smell of the roses if you're if you're grinding for too long like yeah. you know you got to think about like who do i want there who do i want to be a part of this journey and how am i how am i feeding those relationships by the way that doesn't mean like when i when i use that analogy i'm not necessarily just talking about family i'm also talking about coworkers and teammates and yeah. you know people there with you are you building an environment are you building a team where people want to be with you want to help you the whole time because they see a similar mission or are you, are they just going to start peeling off um, and i think that can affect how far you go and that's why when i say and when dan says dan rutenberg says what got us here won't necessarily get us there you got to figure out where is it that i want to go and who do i need around me yeah yeah i you, you're shifting gears question um i don't know if anyone has just solved that yeah. you look i mean Look at uh, Brett Favre, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, I retire, I'm back. I retire, I'm back, right? right. Like, um, I I think a lot of, like, that's even why these people are out there on social media and podcasts talking about that because they're struggling with it. And mm-hmm. that's, like, almost their form of, like, talk therapy. Like, they're working through it then. Um, and, you know, that's just your next challenge. Um, I, I can say uh, something that I've really started to try to shift in my head is to understand that that things like that might support the work-life balance or the balance in general here because we're talking about you know really everything um that is also work right like again i built that that meditation habit which meditation is like i think as relaxing as it gets (laughs) um 
from from this ultra, from the training for this ultra, I've been able to keep it. Um, you know, some might say, "Oh, I don't have time for that. Like I'm on the grind." That's work. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, like I like I woke so last night I got in very late, which is super super rare for me. Um, woke up early or woke up early, but still later than I usually do, and was uh, was like feeling kind of pressured. Like I got to get to work. I got emails. I got to get to. I got my morning training session in, and to just sit there for like 15 minutes, like that was also work. Um, but work that's gonna like allow me to work yeah. longer. You know, yeah. so I no, I think, but but you're 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 making a good point, which is when you look at the ability to train for for long term or you look at the ability to be successful in business for the long term you have to work at the recovery side of things right mm-hmm. um, and we're starting to see that with elite level athletes there's no question about it one you've learned from here a guy named Mike Burton who takes his recovery he's a he's a fullback now with the Broncos he takes his recovery as seriously as he takes his back squat yeah and and it's the same level of effort that he's putting in because without one doesn't come the other Mm. yeah active recovery active recovery yeah not or being active in your recovery sometimes it should be passive like boots yeah boots <laughs> good boots. time for a boots commercial <laughs> it's a good time for a boots commercial um well that was a great tangent i want to bring it back to something that uh does hit home for me uh personally and with a lot of people around me while we're talking about like physically training and it's back pain yep back pain back every pain. everyone has back pain yep um and I think there's, we're not, I don't want to talk about acute back pain. Like I slipped the disc, right? I want to talk about uh, chronic back pain that makes people feel like they're scared to enter the gym, scared to even start running. Um, what are some of the, what are some of the common causes of chronic back pain? Okay. So there are a ton of things that can affect um, the feeling of pressure or achiness or pain within the low back. Um, just like with any pathology, when you walk into that room, I always educate the therapist to try to say, okay, what is my list of things that could be causing this low back pain? So when I think about low back pain, it is, if it's not that slipped disc, I'm trying to think like, what could possibly be causing excessive force to be running through those joints or through that low back? Tight hip flexors is number one. Where hip flexors attach, they actually attach to the anterior portion of your transverse processes. That means the front portion of the side part of your spine. Okay. So that means when they're tight, it's pulling forward and almost like overarching the back. Okay. Very often patients hate bending backwards when they have low back pain. They hate standing for long periods. All of that is what we call an extension moment or bending backwards of the spine. If your hip flexors are tight, it keeps that spine extended always. That's one thing. Let's talk. Let's talk about hip flexors. Okay. Um, if you could imagine having a desk job and running an ultra marathon, it's horrible. I know. I know what type. Hip yeah, but you're always are. standing when we're on calls. That's because I'm trying to impress you. Okay. Yeah, it's working. Because <laughs> you're a PT. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Yoni, I stand all day every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, what what are some things that get type hip flexors sitting right because it shortens no them? No question. Yep. Um, and then and then running right because so so running can keep them tight but it really depends upon like the way you're using your muscles i think a better tie-in would be um if you're doing excessive amounts of abdominal work but you're not using your abdominals you're using your hip flexors that will overwork them and tighten them yeah um so that, that's another thing where you think you're you're going good yeah. um and you're kind of missing missing stuff like that um and i think those hip flexors are just one to get tight because so much of what we do is seated 
even if it's like you're you're driving excessively that you know that it's a seated position but that'll tighten them up yeah um there's an interesting study looking at the correlation between tight hip flexors and weak glutes we don't really know what causes which but oftentimes they occur in tandem and so i would say another thing that causes tight hip flexors is weak glutes yeah so i mean you obviously it's been studying this for a while so you're saying you know what the first thing that at least came to your mind when we're talking about pain is tight hip flexors which again for those that don't know that's like the front like it has nothing to do with the back right um and stretching those out weak glutes so um i i've I've never heard that. That's, I mean, it makes sense because that's kind of like supportive. I've also heard that um, sometimes glutes are like not necessarily like active if you're sitting a lot. What yeah. is that just like? So there's something called a length tension curve, and that means every muscle has its ideal amount of stretch in which it can work efficiently. So if a muscle is all stretched out, picture like a rubber band that's overstretched, it's yep. not gonna be able to snap back, it's not gonna be able to do its job. That's a job of a muscle, is to snap back and encourage movement. So if you're sitting all day, yeah. your femur, your thigh bone is closer to your belt buckle, which means the glute muscle is being stretched around mm. that backside. It's gonna get, to, to make it gross purposely, like a stretched out ass, and it's gonna get weak, and it's gonna get insufficient, that's gonna, one, tighten up your hip flexors, potentially, but two, pull away from some of that support the glutes can provide to your low back. You wanna picture, the the low back has this like thick band of fascia um, that that kind of goes around it, and that's like a god given weight belt. And muscles attach and send fibers up into that weight belt, and you want those taut to give yourself that support through your midsection. That's where the idea of core stability comes yeah. from. Glutes are a big piece of that, so you want those glutes to be in the right position, not too stretched out and strong, and that's where they will become quote unquote deactivated if they're too yeah. long. Gotcha. Um, two things sounds like sitting, not ideal. So let's get up (laughs) now. Um, and then strengthening them. Mm -hmm. Um, are those the the two biggest things? I think most people that I come across, right. When they hear, when they say back pain, Oh, I have to stretch. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you generally see them do like a hamstring stretch. I hate that. (laughs) Where the F does, I don't know where that comes from. If someone knows where it comes from. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad that feels good, but, um, it's it's far harder for me to jump to the hamstrings when there's so much to tackle more close or proximal to the issue and that's why i get frustrated when when therapists start deviating from the source of issue yeah. like there's an issue at the back please just don't start looking at the neck yeah unless you have done things directly around it i just think you're getting ahead of yourselves and being yeah. too fancy um so yes stretching i i encourage stretching with caution you need to be a sniper when you're identifying that which is causing a pathology don't just assume low back pain they got to stretch their hammies by the way their hip flexors are tight they feel tight well are they tight or are they weak and i would look through that lens as it pertains to everything that attaches right around that low back gotcha because i mean it sounds like you're saying because you know that it could be the neck or it could be the feet or whatever but like let's start at the low back and then you know the hip flexors or the core yep um, I d- core is one that interests me. So I was, uh, I was in Austin, Texas last week and, um, I went to a handstand class and they were, they were like, all right, cool. We're going to do a uh, overhead shoulder press to warm up. And I was like, oh, give me the big heavy weights, right? They're like, we're gonna give you these tiny weights. And I was like, cool. They said, go up, 
And once I like got up, like full extension, you know, shoulder to ear. Um, yeah. I did this. Rib, yep. Ribs came out. Yep. And they're like, you know, again, it was like a bunch of like, uh, like yogis in the class, not a lot of football players, yeah. right? And I yeah. was like, like, oh, your core is weak. I was like, no, my core is not weak. Yeah. Like, Neither are my shoulders. Like, they're like, oh, no, they're both actually pretty weak and immobile. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think about, and they're like, that's going to um, put like a lot of pressure on your back when yeah. you're like arching. Um, what do you think about the lack of core strength with back issues? So sometimes it's strength. Sometimes it's control. Right, your ability for your brain to really isolate and hone in on that which it's trying to do, um, and so that that's why I say when when I talk core, like I make sure that the athlete knows where is their rectus abdominis. What is the job of the rectus abdominis? Well, it runs from your xiphoid process, which is right under your sternum, all the way down to your belt buckle, and so its job is to really pull on that pelvis and pull it into what we call a posterior tilt. When you're pressing up overhead, if you don't have control of those abdominals, that's what they're saying is transpiring at your hips, is it's Mm -hmm. dumping forward, arching the back, and that's what we were talking about before, which will just crush the joints in the back of the low back, right? So how good are you at activating and controlling, and can you do that and still have the freedom to reach overhead with the other things? That's really what they're getting at. And and because you said crush the joints, because I'm I'm hearing like, it's it's funny. Um, I know I know a lot of my lack of mobility comes from the shoulder. So like when I go like overhead, if I'm engaging the core, I'm more at this yep, angle sure. than this. Um, but like really with like back squat where it's not too much on your shoulders, um, I it actually doesn't uh, it do, it doesn't uh, hinder me too much. And because I I have a friend that like he's like I have back pain. Like I heard you should just never back squat again. And to me that like that feels wrong. It's more like just learn how to engage your core so you're using. Well, I think it's learn how to get through the movement appropriately. Yeah. And you got to see a professional that, like I said, is able to hone in on exactly what could be limiting that. Sometimes it's shoulders. Sometimes it's hip mobility. Sometimes it's ankle mobility, right? That could be anywhere um, when looking at it's such a global yeah. movement. So you got to be able to identify that which are the limiting factors and then cross them off and say, hey, that's not limiting or that's limiting. How do I fix it? PT is so freaking simple. Sports performance training is so simple. It's just a matter of, is it weak? How do we test that? Let's strengthen it. Is it tight? How do we test that? Let's loosen it. Yeah. Yeah. Simple. Um, Super simple. That it's funny because I was talking to um, I was talking to a friend recently who was talk, trying to like lose weight, um, and and they jumped to what supplements they should be on. Like, should they intermittent fat? Like all this stuff. What now, would Peter Atia say about that? Yeah, he would. He would say, yeah, until you're sleeping eight hours, yeah, uh, exercising ten hours, um, and eating whole foods, we can't even talk about this yeah. stuff yet. He actually had something on Huberman's podcast where he said. If you don't exercise for 10 hours a week, you can't post anything on Instagram about genius. He's really a genius. He is, because how simple he makes it. Um, I think one of my, really my last question is, as a business owner, a busy man, a podcast host, everything, um, not like your training, what do you do for daily maintenance on your body um, to practice what you preach? Yeah, I think it starts with what, what are your goals? Yeah. Is your goal an up an upcoming race? Yeah. Well, you got to deconstruct that and train appropriately. Is your goal to just be consistent and be able to 
complete your job, like in my world, like coach athletes and teach athletes, well, that's going to look a little bit different. Yeah. And then once you deconstruct that, it's like, what can I really commit to? Yeah. And is that enough to get the effects that I want? Like you said, the 10 hours. Well, where am I going to find those 10 hours, let's say, to commit to this endeavor? And then once you have those lined up, um, someone who's as busy as you describe, um, they're going to want to just plan that appropriately. And, yeah. and once that's planned, now you're not walking into the gym or lacing them up and then figuring out, hey, here's going to be my workout. It's The work's already been done. Now you just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, do you have um, – I actually – I like the way that, that you took that because I don't think a lot of people um, go in with a plan, even admittedly like people like I've had big goals around 100. Um, I winged it much more than I should have. Um, I was more curious about your daily like uh, practice of um, like of ass- assuming the goal is, uh, you know, just to, to feel good, to be able to continue to do your job and, you know, to not worry about bending down to pick up groceries, like the basic stuff. What type of things do you do daily to keep your body in tune? Yeah. So uh, I've, I've learned my own movement faults. One of them is, um, I have a propensity to allow my hip flexors to get tight. So understanding how to keep them loose. Um, Kelly was a, was a major proponent of that couch stretch and really being able to teach that educate that, breathe through that so that it becomes a piece of my movement pattern. That's always something that I will revisit. So keeping my hip flexors mobile and keeping my hips overall mobile, knowing my own personal injury history with torn labrums, with um, Tommy John ligament tear, stuff like that, keeping those solid. Because my goal is to be able to continue to do what I'm doing for as long as I want to do. And that means being able to show these plyometric exercises, right? And show these movement patterns appropriately. I always say no one wants a fat, out of shape physical therapist. Um, I don't say that on interviews, but but they don't, and and so how do I how do I keep that consistent? The other piece is my own mental health and and the way I go about that. I'm really lucky and blessed. I was raised in a religious environment that that promotes prayer, which at this point to me really means a meditative practice, yep. right? And so yep. so that's baked into my DNA three three times a day. Yeah. So so I'm really blessed in, in terms of that, um, and and just in. T- consistency man like that's what it's about and and having that plan so so that's the way i go about it so i wake up um i pray or meditate um i make sure i pay attention to my mobility world i've gotten more into the aerobic conditioning as i've gotten older so so i have my own cycling routines and goals there that i i know i'm consistent with three to four days a week and i know my strength and conditioning plans and environments like I have very little bounce to begin with. I want to continue to train that bounce so I can show a single leg plyo activity, um, which is tough. You know, I look at 60-year-old coaches and they have trouble doing that. Yeah, That's not going to be me. And so I encourage myself to just keep up with some type of athletic training endeavor um, that's different than like your seated chest presses. Yeah. <laughs> They're fun though. They're fun. Um, They're fun. But that is my least favorite topic. It's talking about me. So thanks so much for making me do that. <laughs> for, for, for coming back with the second part of the question to yeah. make sure. No, I am. Um, uh, I, I really love what you said about consistency and um, that you said, like, you look at like prayers, meditation. Um, the person who teaches me meditation says meditation is the highest form of prayer. Um, and I think it just kind of goes to like uh, a, a, a fact that, you know, we're, we're all looking for the same thing. Yeah. We're all doing like, 
everyone's talking about this, you know, the same thing. And um, it's a little off topic for what we're talking about. But like, I've just, I realized it's so much. It's like, you know, everyone's looking to be, you know, healthy, met- physically, mentally, you know, in a place where they're, they're not just making money, they're doing good things on the world, but you know, it's not killing their soul and killing their, their health. And, um, you know, I, I have loved, uh, working with you, you know, you know, full disclosure, me and Yoni, Yoni work together on his business. And, um, I love what you're continuing to just, you know, put out. And, um, I think it's like, yeah, you, you teach physical therapy, um, but you also teach like other lessons to it. And it's, it's pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for the kind words. It's obviously I'm super passionate about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so, um, are you saying I need to tone that down? But the, I am passionate about it and and I want to keep doing it as long as I'm passionate about it. And I think there's so many lessons that come out of understanding a good strength and conditioning or health routine that are applicable to so many different things. It's crazy how the pods that I started, the conversations that I start center around something clinical and then evolve into life lessons. It's pretty amazing. It is. It is. Thank you for it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No problem. Well, Sean, thanks for being on the True Sports Physical <laughs> Therapy Podcast. I appreciate you interviewing me, um, albeit at times uncomfortable, but you've taught me a ton through this process. You've taught me ways to, to get to the, to the core and to the root of what it is we're trying to accomplish, and you did that here. So um, thank you for bringing that to my audience. Sean, tell everyone, tell my audience where they can find you. Yeah, you could find me um, on Instagram, Sean Greenspan, at Sean Greenspan, S-E-A-N-G-R-E-E-A-N. No. Oh, hey. Oh, edit that, top. Mike. Edit, edit that out. <laughs> um, you could find me on Instagram at Sean Greenspan, S-E-A-N-G-R-E-E-N-S-P-A-N. Um, and uh, on YouTube, same same channel name. And tell, tell me what your company does. Uh, my Greenspan Consulting. So we actually work with businesses in the fitness and wellness uh, industry to help them really grow their impact on the world. So um, it was about two years ago when I realized that I want to work with brands that like I could feel a part of, you know, and I really care about. Um, so whether it's social media, email marketing, or um, partnerships. And yeah, that's, that's what we do. And you do it really well. So thank you so much. This was a, this was a great idea. I had a great time. I look forward to keeping, Thanks, keep learning from you.